Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Let's go! My God, it's game on! 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 It's on the ground, and it's still on the ground. Picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. Alabama back on top of the college football world. Ladies and gentlemen. Football to the max. Your host, Sean Garmer, Gary Vaughn, and Randy Isbell. Woo, guys. Finally, finally it has happened. We are talking about NFL week one and not just the Thursday game. We are talking about all of them. We're talking about Sunday, Sunday night, the two Monday night games that couldn't be any different. Uh, yes, we're we're doing it all, guys. I'm so excited to get to this. Wait, wait. There, there was football this weekend. I thought that was next weekend. I, I, uh, I watched a bunch of old episodes of uh, Martin instead. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking I'm in trouble, guys. Show that you just <laughs> randomly <laughs> named. That's great. Martin, Martin. No, this is a beautiful week of football, and I'm so glad that we're talking about it, and, and it actually matters. Yeah, it was an outstanding week one minus kickers. F kickers, F kickers, F kickers. Yeah, for a lot of teams, that was either a plus or a minus. Uh, so <laughs> it's going to be interesting to get into here. Lots of close games, lots of come from behind uh, victories. Uh, so, you know, there's we could really just kind of choose where to start from, but honestly, we probably need to start with the game that sort of just ended. Um, yeah, San Francisco 28, Los Angeles 
zero. I mean, I don't think anybody expected Los Angeles to score zero points in their first game. Hi. Oh, you I'm did. Randy. Absolutely. Well, maybe not zero. The offense is not good. It's Todd Gurley and nothing. It's, it's absolutely nothing. The way San, the, I almost said St. Louis. I'm sorry. Hold on. Let me put a quarter in the jar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the only way I saw Los Angeles winning games is with their defense. And their defense looked really good. Uh, they, yes, they gave up to 28 points to Blaine Gabbard and the 49ers. But I said this on the Thursday podcast. The 49ers love to open the season with that second Monday night game. For whatever reason, it just pumps them up. It, it makes them superhuman compared to what they have, especially on that defensive side. They were amazing. They beat up Minnesota last year. I was the only one on our podcast or on our website to pick San Francisco, and I was pretty confident about it, unlike my other Monday night pick, which I also picked by myself. I really thought the 49ers would go out there and and get everyone to start really believing that they were finally improving. And in a weird way, they kind of did, just because that defense was so stout. They even shut down Gurley, which I didn't think they were going to be able to do. But the Rams are a mess on offense, and they showed it here today. I wouldn't just stop there. I'd say the Rams are a mess on defense, too. And it's just amazing. I really felt like Jeff Fisher was going to have this team ready to go. I really felt like the excitement about moving and all the other things that came into play when it comes into getting a team with a name change, a big new city, and an excitement behind him would help that motivation. But it looked like that they were just uh, there. In fact... My thinking about this whole game, it was, I don't know if they even realized they were playing a game. I think half the roster was just staring over there at the opposite sideline at number seven to see if he was standing or sitting. So, I don't know. It's just, it's just amazes me that this team, you know, just did this much of a, a flop tonight. But, you know, congrats to San Francisco. Did a lot better than I ever expected them to. Yeah, Blaine Gabbert came in, played well in the offense, uh, Carlos Hyde did his did his deal. Uh, I think he played once again. This is the same thing as last year. This was last year. Carlos Hyde was the week one was the one game that he played awesome, and everybody was sitting there picking him up in fantasy and going nuts. And and let's see if this holds for more than just this game. Let's remember this is a divisional opponent, so uh, they'll know each other more than let's say if San Francisco was playing almost anybody else. And it's Chip Kelly has a lot to prove here as well. Uh, he wants to prove not only that he made the right decision at quarterback, that but that his system works and that his teams can win. And San Francisco's defense looked tr- uh, really good here as well. Uh, helps when you have a terrific secondary. And and uh, I, I, Case Keenum just looked really out of his element here. Uh, I don't know yeah. if it's the offensive line or. Or whatever. I mean, I don't know that anybody they have is going to look that much better. But perhaps you need to. I don't know if you take him out already for week two, but week two, he better play a lot better, or that leash needs to get pulled. And perhaps you go ahead and throw Sean Mannion in there and see what happens. I really don't think. I I get that. Look, Carson Wentz went out there and played week one. 
I don't think it's the same thing for Jared Goff. Um, I think you play Jared Goff if the other two quarterbacks just suck. And then it's just like, well, okay, well, here. Just go ahead. We're, we're going to suck this year anyway. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Me and you were debating this, Gary, but uh, off the air. But uh, you you still sticking with just go with golf? Uh, and I know you're a big proponent for O'Banion, but I think O'Banion looks great in preseason. I think when O'Banion gets in a regular season game, I think he finds out it's a regular season game. I think the same with Case Keenum. Uh, and I think the like, same for Jared Goff. I mean, all three of these quarterbacks are nothing to write home about. They're trying to get one of these guys to do the job and do it efficiently, and so far they've been unsuccessful to find that. Now, Jared Goff, he's a new guy. You can't blame him for anything. But, I mean, I think what they really want to do with him is have him with a clipboard all year and really understand the game before they throw him in there and into the fire. So you get what you get with this, you know. I mean, uh, so it is what it is. Uh, but the yeah. one thing I will – go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say I'm – I kind of side with with Gary here about just getting him out there on the field. I'm a proponent of rookie quarterbacks don't have to start their rookie season. I have no problem with them having a clipboard for a year or two, but only if they're behind somebody that they can really learn from. If they can learn better like an Aaron Rodgers did behind Brett Favre, then having them on the bench learning is the perfect place for them. But in Los Angeles, where you have two junk quarterbacks in front of Goff, it's almost better for him to go out there and take his licks. Just kind of like Philadelphia, which I thought they were just dumping the season away. We'll talk about that game later. But basically do that. Let him go out there and take his lumps like Peyton Manning did on his his rookie year and let him learn on the fly. The only reason I think that's not going to happen is because if you do that and the season implodes like I think it would, which it still could, Jeff Fisher gets fired. So Jeff Fisher is doing everything he can not to get fired. He's not caring about the future. He's caring about the season. I don't know. I thought they were supposed to give them extensions, him and uh, the GM. I, you know, you were probably right about that, but obviously I don't think he would do anything that major unless he got the blessing from the owner, and then that's also on the owner at that point too. If you're agreeing to just, okay, we're going to throw the season away and put it behind Jared Goff and see what happens. We did draft at number one. We kind of need to know what we have. Uh, you know, then that's on them. I mean, sure, he could still fire Fisher and say, look, you didn't have the rest of this team the way it should be, but um, it is what it is at that point. And, you know. Yeah. I just want to, before we get out of this, I just want to let everybody know, if you're playing in a fantasy football league with me right now, uh, go ahead and drop Todd Gurley. Um, he's, this is what he's going to do all year. Just trust me on that. So. <laughs> Just yeah, just trust me. I'm, I know what I'm talking about, dude. You get rid of him. If you're I know him. he hasn't. Gary, I, I know Gary hasn't listened. Yeah, I know Gary hasn't listened to our fantasy football co- podcast that we recorded tonight because we just got done with it. But we talked about guys like you, Gary. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Snakes in the grass. <laughs> oh, Gary has no problems of any that he's a snake in the grass. Apparently, so. Uh, I like it. I like it. Uh, so we go from that Sunday night game to the first Sunday night game, which was the Pittsburgh Steelers just whooping the Washington Redskins 38-16. to The weapons overwhelming the Washington defense. Gary, what the hell happened to this 
awesome Washington defense that was supposed to be out there. And then also, you know, Kirk Cousins didn't look too good. Well, I mean, you know, I never personally said that the Washington defense was awesome. I thought it was good. And in fact, I thought it was a little bit above average. But what really happened here was basically they spent a lot of time on the field. You know, the the Pittsburgh Steelers did a great job on defense on their side and making Kirk Cousins throw things short, not let them have the big play. And that kind of allowed the, you know, the offense to have plenty of chances. They to also get on have the like no and, running game. Well, they have no running game. I mean, that's a problem they're going to run into, trust me. But you flip that on the other side, and Pittsburgh is making things happen. I mean, they're getting the ball out to all their weapons. I mean, it's kind of funny. They mentioned this in the actual game itself, uh, but they said, you know, no uh, Bryant. Uh, you don't have uh, Heath Miller. Uh, you're also missing uh, oh, uh Bell. And they still look like they're just unstoppable. I mean, this team has just an array of weapons to use. All the receivers were getting open. Uh, Coates was getting open. Uh, we had plenty of guys getting a chance to, to get the ball. In fact, uh, it was L. Rogers got a pass uh, to score a touchdown. So that's what happened to this defense. I really feel like they didn't get the pressure, which another, again, another thing surprised me. They did not get the pressure on Big Ben that they needed to get. And they also had a lot of time on the field. Those two, those two together just kill a defense. And, it's just obvious to who's a better team here. Listen, there was a ton of weapons for Pittsburgh, and I'm not going to try to defend the Redskins' defense. I think they're going to be much better. Josh Norman was owned by Antonio Brown tonight. I mean, there's no question about it. But listen, I, I don't think this is the blowout that you're, you're making it out to be. It was 14-6 to at halftime. Washington made it to the Pittsburgh side of the field on all four of their first drives in the first half, but were only able to come away with six points. That was a key thing that I, I noticed in a few of these games where teams you know, fell short, was just early on not being able to finish drives. And yes, not having the running game really affected that, but I think they were in it all the way until middle of the third quarter before Pittsburgh really kind of stepped on that gas and and just finished them off and made the game look completely out of hand by winning it by 22. But this game was still in doubt midway through the third, and it was a great first half where they actually were stopping the weapons of Pittsburgh, and Washington actually looked like the better team in the first half. But again, if you can't score touchdowns, you're not going to beat these tough teams like the Steelers. Yeah, and my deal is I look at it the bigger picture. And, yes, if you want to look at that way, quarter by quarter, yes, you could say Washington looked better at some point. I just I look at the overall picture and see what kind of team we have here. And it was obvious that that team got tired, and that is the fourth quarter. You're correct, the middle of the third mm-hmm. quarter. I just I look at the, the fact that they could not complete those drives. You know, they had four chances, you know, getting in there close to the red zone, to to give seven points instead of three, and let's be honest, they only scored two field goals out of those four chances. Mm-hmm. That says a lot for me for that offense. You are really honestly one-dimensional with this offense. You're passing the ball. Your running game is non-existent. They could still do things. They could still cause a lot of damage, trust me. But right now in this game, I, I still think that Pittsburgh, even though they may not have been the entire game, but I still think they look good. Oh no, definitely. Uh, I think definitely you, you, 
there's got to be some confidence in in the Steelers right there. Uh, I think the fact that Sammy Coates kind of just filled in and it didn't feel like you're missing a whole lot without Martavis Bryant being there. Uh, perhaps they've just kind of gotten smart about what they're like. They Sammy Coates has been a preseason darling for I think I don't know how many years now, and finally looks like he's breaking out here. So this. Oh, uh, and by the way. Antonio Bryant, oh, Bryant, Antonio Brown, you know, they used him in different ways that the way he didn't have to face Norm Run the whole time. I think that's another component of this defense that were able to do what they needed to do. They couldn't because, you know, that matchup didn't always happen. And when it didn't happen, Brown took care of business and went and scored like two touchdowns, I know for sure. Certainly. Uh, so we move on from the Monday night games to one of the Great games of the weekend, the Sunday night game between the New England Patriots and the Arizona Cardinals. A missed 47-yard field goal by the Cardinals kicker makes it to where Jimmy Garoppolo and the New England Patriots win in Garoppolo's first ever game. No Gronk, no Tom Brady, no problem. You just stole my blurb, didn't you? <laughs> I think that's exactly no, what I put in. I'm not blurb. reading your. I have not right. even read your blurbs. <laughs> I think that's the first sentence of my blurb. Uh, uh, congratulations to the New England Patriots for winning the AFC East today. <laughs> <laughs> God, giving up on your team already, jeez. What, what did we all say in, in the preseason? The only way a team not named the New England Patriots was winning the AFC East was that they could jump ahead in these first four games. There was one team in the AFC East that won this weekend, and it was the New England Patriots. It's unreal what Bill Belichick and his team can do. As you said, no Tom Brady. They didn't have Gronk. It didn't matter. That offense is just so pinpoint. Garoppolo looked great out there, just getting the ball really quick. Does get sacked twice, but for the most part, stayed pretty clean. Wasn't rushed very often. And was just able to just pick apart the Cardinals' defense, just dinking and dunking his way to a win. Blount looked good in the running game. And listen, the Patriots are scary, dude. We, uh, they had two rookie offensive linemen. And they were still dominating this Arizona defense in a way that I wasn't expecting. I mean, not in a way where they're putting up 50 points, but they were doing exactly what they needed to. Just imagine when the first team comes back. I, as a Jets fan, I'm I'm just throwing up in my mouth. <laughs> I mean, the, the Cardinals offense, still the Cardinals offense, though. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald made a ridiculous catch at one point. That was, uh, And just uh, the rumor killer... He is not retiring at the end of this season, so that rumor that started up right before that game uh, or during the day uh, obviously refuted by uh, Fitzgerald mm-hmm. himself as he's signed for another year. But, yeah, I mean, no, you, you still had that offense kind of roll when the running game wasn't doing kind of what you're used to seeing or what we'd kind of gotten used to as they were heading that playoff run, but. I mean, it's still there. I mean, they didn't use David Johnson as much as I thought they were going to. 
they kind of went more into the passing game later on in the game, and it might have affected them a little bit. But uh, for anybody like jumping off the Cardinals bandwagon and going, oh, my God, they lost at home. I, I got eliminated from the eliminator pool because of this game. Screw the Cardinals. They're going to be fine. I still think they're a playoff team. Uh, just the Patriots are just too good. And I continue to get confused when I... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Underestimate Belichick and go against him because all he does is he loves to shove it in people's faces. Yeah, I love his press conference talking about the fact that uh, he'll love to uh, read read about the game in the paper is what he's excited about. Yeah, Yeah, that was kind of funny. Uh, this game was, is definitely one of those games you love to watch, and you know it was a game where you never knew who was going to win because they just took it all the way down to the wire. Um, but the, the most interesting thing to me, and you guys haven't touched on this yet, is the interesting uh, calling timeouts before the two-minute warning uh, for the Arizona Cardinals. Now, is it going to really matter towards the end of this game? I don't think it changes the outcome. But at the same point, I mean, they may have been able to strategize a little differently if they wouldn't have called those timeouts. They wouldn't be rushing that kick for sure. Now, New England called the timeout for them, so it's not a big deal. But I'm just saying it's very interesting strategy that I may not have really understood personally. Fair enough. Um, well, I mean, to be honest there, I honestly think it was more – they were calling timeouts so that they had the time on that drive. They didn't want New England to be able to run the clock out or run it way down. They wanted time to run their offense. And you can kind of see the exact same thing kind of happening as Arizona was driving that New England started calling the timeouts for the exact same idea of let's stop them. If they hit the field goal, we're going to have time left on the clock to be able to come back. So it was more of a uh, we want the time on the clock instead of the timeouts in our pocket. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, well, so. And 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 it's especially because they have veterans on their team that know how to get out of bounds. Sorry, I had. To oh yeah, yeah. We'll we'll talk about that later. Uh, oh boy. Disgusting. We're gonna, yeah. That helps a little bit, sure. Um. So we uh, move on to. Now we're going to start getting into single games here where only one of us watched this game, possibly two of us, um, and kind of it'll be their thoughts on it, and we'll kind of just give some generalizations. So apologize if we're all not just going at it here, but 
Randy, I mean, the Baltimore Ravens and the Buffalo Bills, not uh, very low scoring. Uh, Let's just say these two offenses looked as good as CM Punk's offense in the octagon (laughs) (laughs) on Saturday. Unless you were tapping out watching the game. It's awful. (laughs) Listen, Tyrod Taylor is no good. People, calm down with him. Uh, Just 111 yards. Just look lost. A lot of dump-offs. Something to really look at down the line. Sammy Watkins, who had surgery on his foot, is complaining about pain in said foot. Um, If he goes down for any time, you can just cross off the Buffalo offense completely. Um, I liked how Mike Wallace became relevant again. Uh, some big plays that really helped Baltimore win this game. But this is kind of the way I thought this was going to be. Two defenses slugging it out, not a lot of offense. Baltimore hitting the big play to win it. I was a little surprised that that Taylor and Sammy Watkins weren't able to make that big play you know, to counteract it. But just an ugly game between two tough defenses. Baltimore is back as far as a possible playoff contender because of that defense and because of the big playability. They didn't they only hit the one against Buffalo, but I mean they are a team that you don't want to mess with. Yeah. Uh interesting that I mean the Ravens were just kinda of able to go out there in that first game and win. Um you know it, it's Tyrod Taylor getting Owned a little bit by his old team. He's not uh, good. Sorry. He's not good. There you go. See, Randy made the statement. He's not good. Uh, should not have. Maybe. I wonder if the Bills are wondering if he should have got that money now. Uh, so, moving on, Gary. Carson Wentz and the Eagles go out there and woof up on some Cleveland Browns. I mean, not that, you know. Anybody else is going to whoop up on the Cleveland Browns, but about to say. I mean, I, I just uh, you know for breakfast the other morning, I ate some cornflakes. I beat them pretty good, uh, but of course they couldn't get what, up and hit me back. What did Gary do? Beat up Cleveland Browns. Yeah, so I'm just saying uh, they couldn't get up and hit me back, and I think that's the same thing that happened here. Is you know Carson Wentz went out and looked like he's the next sensation, and that's great, and he needs to. Um, he's a talented quarterback. There's no doubt about it. Um, but, you know, is it really a test when you're playing against a team that may not be able to beat uh, most of anybody in this league? Um, I think Alabama might be able to beat the Cleveland Browns uh, at this point. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it may be a close game. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think that's about where you're coming from. Um, yeah, so, uh, you, you know, I, I would disagree with that statement, Sean, but because I think half of the Cleveland Browns are rookies this year, I think – Alabama could because basically Cleveland is a college team right now. Yeah, well, true. And, and they'll be doing that without RG3 for eight weeks. A broken coracoid bone in his shoulder. Uh, what's the fantasy implication for Josh McCown now? I like him better. I you know it's funny to say the starting quarterback goes out and you, and you all of a sudden you're like a backup. I love him. McCallan actually did pretty decent for himself last year when he was playing for this team. So I think the same could stand here. I don't know, Randy, what do you think? I mean, I kind of feel like, you know, we could see some better offense. I don't know about better offense. I think this one, 
with RG3 getting hurt in the middle of it, and he was just a bit off. Uh, we couldn't really see the deep threats as we had seen in the preseason. We saw a little bit with, with Coleman and, and Pryor early, and then by the time he got hurt, the, the whole offense just died. The, the the fantasy implications I see the most is I think this is going to hurt Coleman a little bit as far as the deep threat. McCown does not go deep. But Gary Barnage is back on the map. Was not targeted one time in this game with RG3. He is the favorite target now. So as I said on the podcast, go find that fantasy owner that freaks out after one week and sees Gary Barnage get zero targets and go steal Gary Barnage from him. Go pull a Gary. Be the weasel. That is the main target you go for in any trade this week because Gary Barnage, with this move, with this injury, to me is now a top five tight end because of the targets he's going to be getting. Yeah, last year it was all about freaking... the Gary Barnage and, and Josh McCown. It's going to be interesting if they get, and not to mention that remember that some, a lot of that receiver core is different now. So Josh, I mean, look, uh, they deal with each other in practice, but Josh McCown's got to get used to, okay, now he's got Josh Gordon back. who we didn't have last year. He's got Coleman and no Travis Benjamin. So he's got to deal with that. I mean, just different receivers. He's got to throw to now. He's got to get used to that that chemistry and everything else. Mm-hmm. And he might rely on Barnes more. Exactly. And, you know, uh, just before we get out of this, uh, just the Eagles, you know, their defense actually, you know, you know, did have uh, a cupcake to mess with, but I, I feel like, you know, this Eagles team can be a competitor against other teams. I, I can make fun, but I really feel like the defense does have some things to offer. And, you know, Carson Wentz, I mean, he may not have the success he had on this game, but I think he, you know, now he has a little confidence, and that could be dangerous for some teams. Yeah, I mean, to talk about a defensive game, uh, the Miami Dolphins and Seattle Seahawks, the Seahawks at home doing their thing, playing defense, uh, just disrupting Ryan Tannehill at all parts. Uh, Aaron Foster looked okay when they were throwing him the ball. They couldn't really run for a whole lot. Uh, Foster had a similar game, something to what I'll talk about later with Tennessee, where as long as they were throwing him the ball, he was fine. If he had to run, there was like no holes for him to run because the Miami Dolphins and the Seattle Seahawks offensive lines are bad. They just could not hold anyone. Russell Wilson was again running for his life. Uh, for lots of the game, uh, he did too many of these. Let me go one way and twirl the other way, and got caught quite a few times where he did it way too much and he went way too far back. And Mario Williams caught him once, and it wasn't wasn't good. And he caught uh, somebody else caught him uh, pretty good too for for doing that. Uh, the they had a mishandled snap which. Uh, led to a fumble recovery for the Dolphins. I mean, just both these teams just didn't play very well until you got into the fourth quarter. Well, not to mention Kenny Stills dropped about 80-yard touchdown. So, uh, dude, you got to make those catches, man. Sorry to tell you, but this is the NFL. You don't miss 
opportunities like that when your team is having a hard time doing anything. Uh, it's, Ryan Tannehill actually runs in a touchdown, and then with about a minute and a little bit left, Russell Wilson does one of his miraculous comebacks, and with about 35 seconds left, Doug Baldwin in the back of the end zone, and that's it. The Seahawks win uh, because the Dolphins really couldn't get it back down the field again, but the Dolphins had got stoned on a fourth and one. You had the, the Stills deal, and Andrew Franks got his 27-yard field goal blocked, and it wasn't one of those, like, it was got, it, it got, like, tipped, and so, you know, they had opportunities for just little things, and they could have won, and, and they lose, and Seattle continues to uh, do their thing and win ugly, a lot of what they did last year, so maybe not hurting too much with the ones that they lost, but I don't know. Still still have questions uh, when you're talking about Miami here. And if that offensive line is not going to help Ryan Tannehill, he's, this is going to be the same thing as last year. I hate uh, kickers. Yes, once again, Period. kickers doing a minute. Housh also missed an extra point that made things interesting. Uh, he didn't miss it. He got it blocked. And that's why it was 12-10 or, or Miami would have only had an opportunity to really tie the game and not, not win at the end. Uh, so we move on. Randy, I'm sorry to do this to you, but your Jets lose by a point because of a kicker. Uh, I hate kickers. I hate them. I hate your stupid Nick Folk ex-cowboy kicker. What a waste. It was actually a really good game, and the fact that it comes down to a mixed extra point is just awful to me. Just terrible. Yes, he had a field goal blocked, but I blame that on CBS for putting up the stat that Nick Volk has never missed a, a kick in the first quarter ever. Assholes. Just <laughs> stop it with those stats. You put those stats up after the fact. Just and just Okay. Sorry. Just... <laughs> The Sorry, uh, is, we got to use this things, for the intro now. Sorry. Uh, the, the, the things that I take away from this game is the fact that Cincinnati is still very good, and the Jets are right there with them as far as competition. They stuck with them the whole game. Nobody could pull away. Uh, Matt Forte is the perfect fit for this offense. He led the team in rushing. He led the team in receiving. He just I mean, he took over the offense which needed it because Decker and Marshall were were shut down by the Cincinnati defense. Inunua also has shown that, as fantasy-wise, he is a decent option as, as like a flex position because the Jets don't have a tight end. So when they're passing the ball, they're using three receivers. And with all the attention going to Decker and Marshall, I mean, that's where they're going to. So he has a good game, but they just can't quite get it done because they lost a special team battle. And Cincinnati, give them full credit, they took it to the Jets through the air. Obviously, the rushing game struggles, which was not a surprise to anybody. But A.J. Green, he went to Rivas Island, he bought a mansion, and then he blew up the whole island. Because he didn't <laughs> care. He owned Rivas Island, and I hate to say it, but Rivas Island is now closed. It is now shut down. There is no more Rivas Island anymore. He is still a good cornerback, but he is not the shutdown corner. And the Jets need to realize that and change their their defensive strategy. Because go back and watch that big 
54-yard touchdown pass to A.J. Green. And the safety basically ignored A.J. Green as he ran by him, going, ah, Revis has it. Just stood there flat-footed as A.J. Green ran by. They need to make sure that they have some help for, for Revis to continue to balance that, that offense because, listen, the Bengals found a weakness and they attacked it and they attacked it and they attacked it and, and good on them. They came back and won the game and showed why they are some people's Super Bowl contenders. Well, Gary, uh, talk about another quarterback that went nuts here, Jameis Winston going off on the Falcons. Yeah, you know, when a lot of people came into this season saying, you know, well, you know, if Matt Ryan's going to be the guy that's going off. But no, I really felt like Jameis Winston was that guy that, you know, he had made some improvements towards the end of the year last year. And I think he's grown. And I mean, honestly, I mean, he found plenty of receivers and, and fine. In fact, uh, even finding Selfarius Jenkins in the end zone. So he used all his weapons to his disposal. Bless yeah, bless you. <laughs> and uh, the, the, the mute mic was hard to hit, I'm sure. Uh, but Mine you know, is thinking behind about this, my head, so yes, it is <laughs> <laughs> behind your head. That's a that is a bummer. Uh, but anyway, uh, it really, this comes down to not only just Winston, but you know, Tampa Bay's defense really stepped up in this game. I think that was really the difference. Really, Atlanta couldn't do much because that was what was taking place. It was the Tampa Bay defense tightening up and not really giving Matt Ryan those opportunities or even uh, the running game getting really started fully. So I, I just got to look at that and say, really, honestly, in this game, Tampa Bay played the more complete game. But I do I put a nail in Atlanta's coffin. No, I just don't think that right now they're that great. Gary, I do have to ask you, we talked about it on the Fantasy Podcast. Yes, don't put a nail in Atlanta just yet, but are you starting to put a nail in Devontae Freeman as being a top-tier running back? Yeah, I mean, coming into the season, I wasn't very high on him. I, I don't know if he can break out again. He could. Um, but right now, I, I definitely do not start him unless he's my second running back or even just my third. Uh, I just don't have any faith in him right now. He hasn't done anything since, what, six weeks into last year? <laughs> that, that's just the way I look at it. Well, didn't they say they were going to run him and Coleman both a lot more than just having Freeman because they had to when Coleman wasn't there? Well, yeah, and that that was the deal. Was Coleman got uh, injured, and so Freeman was forced to play, but Freeman was doing really well. But, you know... Coleman is a big draft pick for them, and I get that, and you want to play him. But, man, if you got a hot hand, go with it. But I don't know. I think teams have figured out who Freeman is, to be honest with you. Yeah, and then also, I mean, you don't have a lot of faith in Matt Ryan, so you you kind of just know, okay, you double Julio Jones, and you you do what you can to stop the run, and then see if Matt Ryan can throw it to the other guys. and. So far, that hasn't really been something that he's done. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, let's let's talk about a freaking barn burner of a game here. The Oakland Raiders win by a point because Jack Del Rio has some balls, people, and he decides to go for it for two instead of just tying the game. And they get the two-point conversion, and they win. I mean, they had to hold him off at the end as well, but... Uh, time 
elapses as uh, trying to hit a 61-yard field goal was ridiculous. That's that's really hard, and for that rookie kicker, he almost know. made it. Yeah, he he would have if it wouldn't have gone to the right. But uh, I mean, still the Saints. It's one of these things well, here, with. Uh, go ahead. Before we get we get too far, I, I just wanted to ask: Did you agree with going for two? Well, I mean, the law of probability says probably not. I I I don't think I would have, but you know, I like the I love the fact that Del Rio did that. I mean. That takes a lot of brass to say, okay, look, we're going to win or we're going to lose here. And they'd already yeah, missed you... a two-point conversion earlier. Mm-hmm. So, What do you think, Gary? You know, I probably would have played the safe bet as well. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Well, maybe that's too conservative, but I mean, he did a, you know, what he thought was right, and I feel like his decision obviously paid off, but that's such a risky thing and you know, like uh, we talked about this last week, I think, in fact, you know, coaches a lot of times play it safe. Uh, they want to make sure that they have an opportunity to at least go to overtime. But, I mean, Jack Del Rio, got to give it to you, man. That that was a good play. Well, you got to think about it when your your whole career can be on the line with one bad decision mm-hmm. sometimes. But, but see, this is why I absolutely loved it. If you go back and just kind of look how this game was as – as Sean mentioned, it was a barn burner. Uh, I don't think he wanted to go to overtime against Drew Brees in New Orleans. I think he would have rather went, okay, their secondary is awful. We have started to figure them out. Let's go for it here rather than risk a, a chance of them winning the coin toss and Drew Brees is destroying us like he has all game long. I, I really thought he looked at it as this is our best chance to win because if we go to overtime... I don't like her chances at all. So I loved it in that situation. I get it in most where you, you probably go for the overtime and go there. But the way that game was shaping out where the offenses were so on fire, I don't think he, he would he would rather risk a, a toss-up to Crabtree than the toss of a coin. And you bring up a great point, and that is uh, something that I... You know, I, I think you're right on because of the fact that, you know, they've been watching these guys all game long and these defensive backs from New Orleans. And, you know, sometimes you can figure out the tendency. Sometimes the players can give you some insight and maybe they saw something that was a great matchup for them and they exploited it, you know. But, you know, it's still, it's still a risk, but I get your point. It actually uh, is a great one. Yeah, I mean, it's not only that, too. It's like what Randy said, having to deal with four touchdowns, 424 yards from Breeze. I mean, that uh, including a 98-yard one where Brandon Cooks just blew by Sean Smith, and then Sean Smith got benched after that too. Uh, just, I mean, it, the the team have been going us. I just I just want to hear all this uh, Raiders defense so awesome, and then they couldn't even that that Saints offense between the Saints offensive line just. That this this wasn't happening on this evening. They were they were getting it. Willie Sneed was everywhere. 
Uh, he was catching balls everywhere. I think Michael Thomas is going to be one of those guys you need to watch out for because in the middle of the year, I think he's going to become one of the favorite favorite guys for Drew Brees. But, yeah, I mean, this this was a really fun game. Amari Cooper was playing really well. Latavius Murray had his uh, moments as well. Uh, the, the Raiders also had a big, long touchdown. Rashard got a 75-yarder. Uh, so... This was just up and down, fun stuff happening constantly uh, for in this game. And all it is is just deciding to go for that, too. And there's there was points as well where, again, and it's, it's sort of a theme for some of these teams on this, on this uh, whole week, going for field goals when you should have scored touchdowns would have uh, certainly helped you in this regard. If you score another touchdown, you win the game. Raiders aren't even close. But, you know, having to be forced to the field goal when you scored, instead of scoring touchdowns, that makes a difference. Um, so we move on to Randy having a, a game that was very similar to this with the Indianapolis Colts and the Detroit Lions. Literally a game of whoever has the ball last is going to win. Yeah, absolutely, and it it looked interesting at first as Detroit looked like the far better team early. Andrew Luck was was rushed a ton and just seemed out of balance. It took until, I'd say, late second quarter and, and mostly into the second half before that offense really started to click. But what I loved with Detroit and why I think they might be a sneaky team later on, we'll see how they do against a tougher defense, but just... The immersion, I mean, we always knew Theo Riddick was amazing out of the backfield as a receiving back, but Amir Abdullah stayed right with him. So now they have two guys out of the backfield that can catch passes, and their offense is wrapped around it. I ne- you never thought you would ever say it before, but losing Calvin Johnson was the best thing that could ever happen to the Detroit Lions. You know, Bob Cooter's offense of plan worked perfectly here. Matt Stafford and and everyone else here just took it to Indianapolis, keeping up with that high-powered offense over there. And like you said, it came down to the very last moment where, again, I hate kickers. So the Detroit kicker, um, Matt Prater, misses an extra point, which allowed Indianapolis to, when they go down and scored their touchdown, they were up by one late in this game. Brad or, or not Bradford Stafford does a great job leading the team down the field, including two just awful plays where he throws it to Ebron, who decides he's going to battle for one yard as time is running out, and got an earful from Stafford. Uh, and then the very next play, I I can't remember who caught it. I want to say it was Marvin Jones uh, catches one on the left side, cutting across to the, the sideline. But instead of taking the one extra step to out of bounds to stop the clock and save their one timeout, he decides to turn it up field and gets tackled one foot away from being out of bounds, making them use that last timeout and basically saying, okay, we have to kick the field goal from here. And watching Stafford blow him up too was, was great. So, I mean, obviously the more popular out or inbounds play we'll talk about later, but uh, Detroit does get lucky as Prater hits the game-winning field goal, 
but just an offensive slugfest here. So much fun to watch compared to that that Buffalo game I had to struggle through. But I I'm not quite set to say Detroit's for real yet. I want again. I want to see them do something against a real defense, and I don't think that we're going to see that next week when they play Tennessee either. But they're a team to watch to see if if maybe they're a bit underrated. Yeah, and the, uh, Ran- or Gary, you had a t- you had a game sort of similar again. The Kansas City Chiefs and the San Diego Chargers. Good lord. What the hell is going on here? The Chargers just go out to a big lead, and then the Chiefs all of a sudden come storming back and win. Yeah, this was a, something that, you know, kind of hit us out of nowhere, right? We all came into this game, I believe, you know, picking Kansas City, but not only that, picking Kansas City, probably big here. And San Diego said, we're not dead. And, in fact, Melvin Gordon himself said, I'm not dead either, guys. And he comes out and scores a touchdown. I mean, this is a a different, you know, looking San Diego Chargers team in the first half. I mean, 21 points without, you know, any hesitation. But then when we get to the second half here, Kansas City starts turning on their jets. And that's when they start stifling what San Diego is doing. And, of course, that gets back down to what we thought was going to happen. And that's Kansas City playing a defensive game and then letting their offense take the rest of the way. And, you know, Jeremy Macklin gets involved in the end zone. Different guys like that are helping. And it did come down to the end. But what really matters here is that, you know, Kansas City found a way to get back in it. I I don't know if I'm sold on San Diego being like this every week. I mean, these two teams know each other very, very well. These kind of matchups usually are a mirage at times because, you know, it's it's teams that know each other. Yeah, it's like last year you had the scoring. Mm -hmm. You had the one that was like 10 to 13 to 10 or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, you're totally right. So, I mean, I I don't want to get people to buy or sell too much in this game. But what you do need to know is that, you know, Kansas City found the way to win. And with that determination, I think you do still say that Kansas City is a better team and a really good team. But you got to give props to San Diego. They, they worked their butts off to do what they did. And once again, the San Diego receiver curse is well on display. Keenan Allen tears ACL, and he is done for the season again. Jeez, poor guy. Uh, it's tough. You know, these are guys you don't want to see injured. And uh, I hate to be selfish, but especially if you're playing fantasy football. Randy, what does that mean? Who who are you going to go get on the waiver wire? Is there a San Diego, San Diego receiver? Who are the Chargers going to go get on the waiver wire? <laughs> well, that, well, you can say that too, but I mean, there's a guy named Travis Benjamin on their roster that could. He's not an all one guy, though. Well, he may be now. they might just have to use them there but if you're looking for a wide receiver on the waiver wire i suggest ignoring san diego i believe in that curse um so i'm staying away (laughs) from there because i don't want my guys hurt but there are a ton if you look at most leagues you can go out and pick a few but i already brought up quincy anunua i think he's a great option uh adams in green bay any wide receiver in Green Bay, if you can pick him up, that's great. Eli Rogers really stepped himself up as that 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 other target to Antonio Brown. I like him a lot as well. Uh, and Chris Hogan, at least early on, uh, he be, he was a, a big target for Garoppolo. 
So there's a lot of wide receiver options out there. I would stay away from from Chargers receivers just until you kind of see how things are going. I like Benjamin's talent, uh, but let's see how he will do being against the number one cornerbacks. Um, Tyrell Williams is an interesting choice as well. Dontrell Inman didn't have much of a game against Kansas City, but obviously he will see a, a bit more action. So there's talent there in San Diego for sure. But as far as fantasy goes, I'm looking somewhere else until the Chargers move to Los Angeles and get away from that curse. I would say Woodhead is certainly one you need to watch out for because he's going to get more passes now. Oh, Woodhead, I think, should be owned in in every league. But I'm right there with you. I think uh, his uptake or his his receptions take an uptake as well. Uh, Yeah, I mean... This is going to be interesting for San Diego. And like I said, it wasn't a joke. They seriously are going to have to go try to find somebody to pick up for that team And as far as receivers go because, uh, it's, man, losing Keenan Allen, that's – I mean, you know, now uh, you might get more double tight end action with Hunter Henry and, and Antonio Gates too. So that's something to watch out for uh, as well. Um, I mean – Kansas City looking and doing what they always do. Uh, and another another game that was sort of very close, as you kind of expect with two teams that know how to score. You mentioned Devontae Adams. He had a, a case of the dropsies again, as is normal for Devontae Adams. But the Green Bay Packers are able to edge out the Jacksonville Jaguars 27-23. What did you see, Randy? I saw two defenses that are legit. Yes, both teams scored in the 20s, but the Jaguars' defense is for real. Uh, Aaron Rodgers just has too many weapons. But Jacksonville stayed in this game the whole time. Uh, There was only 12 points scored in the entire second half, four field goals, two between each team. It was a slugfest between two good teams. Uh, To me, even though they lost, I think Jacksonville solidified themselves as a playoff contender in this game because they stood toe-to-toe with the team I have winning the Super Bowl, and nearly beat them. They had the ball late and couldn't get the job done on a call that I still question, as I believe there was less than 20 seconds to go. They're inside, I want to say the 30. I'll look this up as I talk. Uh, But on fourth and one, they were at the 14-yard line with 23 seconds to go, faced a fourth and one, decided to do a wide receiver screen, so they threw the ball behind the line of scrimmage it gets snuffed out and they turn the ball over right there I, I didn't like the play call there at least if you're going to throw the ball throw it forward so any catch gets you the first down I thought they got a little cute with that but they stayed with them the whole way uh, very balanced attack by both teams uh, Jacksonville also was a man down as Chris Ivory went to the hospital Sunday morning uh, they say he's going to be in there for a few extra days. They didn't really give out a lot of details on that yet. They said that once he's released, then you know they will come out with a report, which will explain things a, a bit closer. So hopefully he's okay. But listen, Jacksonville's legit, but Green Bay was just too good. I was going to ask you, I mean, how much of effect does that have with Chris Ivory not being there? Because they were doing a lot of... Uh, the two running back tandem with him and Yeldon in the preseason. Yeah, it, it does uh, so much. I mean, you look, TJ Yeldon did not do a great job with the 
the sole running back duties. 21 carries, 39 yards. He does find the end zone, though. He's better out of the backfield as a receiver and then have Chris Ivory bowl them over. So I, I think their game plan kind of got shot, especially because it happened you know, Sunday morning. So it, was, it wasn't like they could game plan all week. So I mean, it, honestly, the result could have been different if, if Ivory was there and they were able to run the offense the way they wanted to. But a stellar job by them. Great to see Jordy Nelson back, 6-for-32 and the big touchdown. So nice to see him back on the field, and it makes Randall Cobb better. It makes Devontae Adams better. So uh, Green Bay is just that good. But Jacksonville is for real, people. We'll have to see if uh, they continue down that road. Um, The uh, Houston Texans are also in that division. Uh, they came out uh, winners. They were the only ones in that division that came out winners this uh, week as they took on the Chicago Bears. And the Bears actually hung in with them for quite a while in this game. I think it was until about the <clears throat> middle of the fourth quarter where the Bears were finally out of it because Cutler threw the interception. And Cutler also got sacked about five times. He got rushed a bunch because the Bears' offensive line sucks. Uh, the... Uh, he also fumbled a snap, and uh, f- because you're using a guard, who uh, Cody Whitehair is a guard. He's always been a guard. You're going to use him at center, and that's what happens sometimes. Uh, you know, guys that are not experienced, it's, it's going to happen. Uh, and Langford kind of was stifled a bit until about the second half because they started having to pass a bunch. Alshon Jeffrey was awesome in this game. He caught like a 50-yard pass. Uh, the dude was exactly what you'd expect uh, with with Cutler. And uh, Eddie Royal, he made Eddie Royal look fantastic here as well. Eddie Royal got a touchdown. He looked good. Uh, everybody that you'd expect on the Texans was fantastic. Lamar Miller got 106 yards. He was giving the ball a bunch. So they're trying to run the ball in Houston. Osweiler looked fine. He made, he The big throws, he made those. Uh, Will Fuller got over 100 yards, first guy in franchise history to get over 100 yards on his first game, and he could have had more if he didn't drop like an 80-yard touchdown uh, that he would have had, because that dude is lightning when he gets going, Um, and DeAndre Hawkins did okay, but uh, Osweiler still had a few times where he didn't look uh, like, you know, when he was pressured, he didn't look very comfortable, but... When he was given time and he had to make the big throw, he looked good. So I think you can kind of start saying I think this Houston team is somebody you don't want to mess with. And the defense, certainly, uh, telling you, Jadavion Clowney, people have been waiting on this guy. He was a force in this game. And uh, if this continues, you get J.J. Watt back to kind of full strength. I don't know that I want to play that defense. Yeah, and, and as you said, Lamar Miller having a good day. One of only two running backs since um, D'Angelo Williams did it today. Just one of two running backs to eclipse 100 yards rushing. Yeah, so, man, D'Angelo Williams had a heck of a game, too. We've, I don't know that we mentioned that enough, but, man, he looked great uh, against the Redskins in that game. I uh, should also note that the Minnesota Vikings defense came to play against the Tennessee Titans. Two... Uh, run back for a 
touchdown and a pick six for a touchdown uh, because Mariota got rushed and just threw this lazy dink of a pass right in the uh, Eric Kendrick's hands. Um, they He also had a fumbled snap. I mean, just not the best of days for Mr. Mariota. Um, DeMarco Murray, two passing touchdowns, actually. Uh, he didn't do a whole lot running. It was more about on the screens and on the passes to Marco Murray. So he did learn a lot from the uh, being with the Eagles where he, that was he where he excelled last year. So they did a lot more of that. Derrick Henry also had some interesting stuff passing as well. Um, you uh, got to see some Andre Johnson in this game, which he looked okay. Then you hardly got to see any Delaney Walker. That's because he's got so many receivers now to throw to. I don't know that, uh, they they it's either the defense really keyed in on Walker or just he's got so many more weapons than he had last year that he's kind of throwing it around. He I think he did throw it like about seven different receivers. So just just got to cut down on the mistakes um, is the issue uh, on that. And yeah, the, I mean Sean Hill was fine. Uh, just the, the defense really really made it much easier for him. Uh, it also helps when they stack the box against Peterson, so he's just basically having to throw because Peterson had a terrible game. I think he had like 30 yards, something like that. So uh, sucks for me having like three fantasy leagues. So. And, uh, uh, Gary, yeah. Gary, go ahead and, and talk Sean into trading Adrian Peterson to you as well. No, I'm not doing oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, come on. It really not. He's getting old. Just think about it. You know, uh, I'm sure we can trade a. I'll trade you a level three receiver and a level four receiver. It's fair. <laughs> uh, so let's go ahead and talk about our Cowboys, Gary. They lose by a point to the New York Giants. Uh, thanks to Terrence Williams deciding not to get out of bounds, even though Des Bryant is constantly pointing at him to get out of bounds. I can see what he's doing there. He's trying to get the first down because Roger Scrimardi has the sideline angled blocked. Uh, still doesn't excuse the fact that you get out of bounds, you give your team a chance for another play. But aside from that, Gary, what the hell, man? Can't score touchdowns. All right, well, let me start. I know we're going to get to that, but I I do want to start with this Terrence Williams saga. Uh, You know, my wife has blonde hair, and, you know, you always hear the blonde jokes, right? Blonde, da-da-da-da, you know, ha-ha-ha, they're dumb. Uh, and I think sometimes the same goes for athletes and, you know, we see, you know, people present them as duh sometimes. Well, I think Terrence Williams had one of those moments and I really believe somehow some way in his mind that that was the right thing to do to get extra yardage, but it wasn't. And he didn't think it through. That's the kind of athlete he is. And, uh, in real life, I would love if the Dallas Cowboys could trade him to San Diego. Uh, for anything, so maybe for there's ball Gary's boy. great analysis uh, uh, that you should take to heart. Terrence Williams had a blonde moment. Basically, yeah, really. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, so, but, but so anyway, I, go ahead. Go can ahead. I take a quick poll, real quick? Mm-hmm. Do you blame Do you blame Terrence Williams for the loss? No, no. Okay, that's what I was asking. I don't. Uh, yes, he made a mistake. 61-yard yes, field goal is no joke. It, that's It's no joke. And listen, they were, what, a second away from getting that snap off and spiking it? So, I mean, it, it still almost worked, and he did gain a few extra yards than he would have. 
uh, go back and watch your play to get out of bounds. He almost would have had to go backwards a little bit. So I, I, yes, it looks terrible, especially with Des Bryant pointing and especially with what happened with Detroit too. And you would like to see if you can get your kicker uh, to make something long like that, especially with Dan Bailey, who was the only kicker who knew how to kick a football on Sunday. But 56 was his career long. 61 was asking quite a bit. So I, I know the hatred is, is is strong because, you know, this was the big afternoon game and, and most people were watching. But don't hate on the guy, I think. It's a mistake, and I, I still don't think you guys were going to win. It, score touchdowns. Yeah, that's exactly the story of this game is the fact that the Dallas Cowboys got in the red zone and they were close enough plenty of times that they settled for field goals. I mean, four field goals, it just right there proves to you that they were close enough to, to if they could have converted drives, uh, they could have definitely won this game and won it in convincing fashion if that would have happened. It's just the really the bottom line here is is that the New York Giants did a good thing uh, for themselves, and that is stop the run. Ezekiel Elliott, you know, everybody was excited to see what this kid could do, but, you know, there's a reason why Ezekiel Elliott only had 51 yards in this game. Well, let's look at how much money that, you know, the New York Giants spent to make sure they could stop guys like him and put pressure on the Dallas quarterback, uh, you know. So I think that that's the big key here. I mean, they the New York Giants came in with a plan. Their plan worked. The Cowboys came in with a quarterback who's a rookie, first game in the actual real-life action uh, NFL game, and did well. Dak Prescott, is this his fault? No, not at all. He played a great game, no interceptions. Eli threw an interception. He's a veteran, won a Super Bowl. Uh, so I that's think that, Eli, you know, though. He throws interceptions all the time. Well, I know. I, I and, <laughs> Why do I don't pick him up in fantasy? But uh, it's just that's the bottom line here is the fact that, you know, they didn't convert, you know, first downs. And, you know, really, honestly, Ezekiel Elliott's still young. He didn't have a lot of patience in this game. He may have been able to do it because look at Alfred Morris, a veteran running back, actually gained uh, quite a bit more yards. I think he had like 75 yards rushing, more patient. A veteran who knows what's going on, so it's it's a growing process for both a rookie quarterback and a running back. So, and I think Dak, you know, also he's he's doing a lot of the what you see rookie quarterbacks do. Let me find Witten. Let me find uh, the guy that I'm feeling comfortable with. Des Bryant has eight yards. I mean, normally that's not what you expect from Des Bryant. I don't think it's his fault. I think it's just Dak was. Not really even looking for him because he's expecting him to be covered. Um, so, uh, you know, it that's in that touchdown that Dez got taken away. Very much, very much a Dez moment there. Uh, but I think that might have affected him for the rest of the game as well, as far as being confident enough to understand that this is going to happen. Let's let's get out there and try to make more stuff happen but and they were moving him around too so it wasn't just okay i'm being covered by the same guy and i'm being owned it's just they were covering him so uh, i mean for all that being said though to be that close in Dak's first game he didn't look like he was flustered at all and but it was also a tale of two halves too because the offensive line was blocking for him in the first half second half giants turned that thing on they were pressuring him he had to make faster decisions and it affects you just like it does any other quarterback so um but the moral of the story here 
you cannot kick four field goals in a game when you just needed one touchdown out of those four field goals, you would have won the game. Okay? Especially when you're taking 15 play drives and coming up with field goals, and the Giants are going in three plays and scoring a touchdown. I mean, hello? You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and look, when Rashad Jennings is running up the gut about, like, for 40 yards, you know that something is wrong with your defense. But that's that's another story. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, Cowboys lost. Hats off to the Giants. They were one of the two NFC's teams that won, but at least the Giants played a team that actually matters. Uh, but we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens in week two. It's going to be interesting. Uh, Cowboys have another division game. I don't know right off the head what the Giants and the Eagles are doing, but yeah. So that wraps it up for us talking about the games. Um, let's get into now. If you go to the actual website wtmnet.com, uh, sometime on I don't want to say right now because I don't know if I'm going to stay up all all night to make sure this gets out right now. But at some point on Tuesday. I would say at least before 2 or 3 p.m. Eastern Time, our full power rankings will be out, and you can look at them all. But we're going to give you our top five, as we usually as we did last year, and we'll also give you our player of the week, uh, which we did not discuss beforehand, so we get to have a player of the week discussion on the actual podcast, which those are always fun. Um, so our top five power rankings go... Like this, Denver Broncos, number one, New England Patriots, number two, Green Bay Packers, number three, Carolina Panthers, four, and the Arizona Cardinals, five. I don't really think that there's too much of an argument there. I had Pittsburgh a little bit ahead. I think you guys might have done your rankings before that game, though, but I think Pittsburgh looked really dominant, and there's something to be said for even though all these Carolina and Arizona both lost sort of close games. Something to be said for winning and winning, you know, positively in your your first game. No, absolutely. And I wouldn't uh, argue that point at all. I actually had Pittsburgh sixth in my rankings. Uh, but that's just because I, I was a little down on Pittsburgh coming in and, and didn't want to move them that far up. I thought, you know... I just underrated Belichick so much, so I gave Arizona a pass for now. But putting Pittsburgh in the top five, you're going to get zero argument from me. Yeah, and it is interesting to me that we have the Carolina Panthers behind Green Bay. Um, I, I think Carolina played an excellent game against Denver. Uh, Could have beat them, and that just it just boiled down to you know they had some issues there at the end, so. I don't think Carolina is a bad team just because they lost against Denver. Just you know, means that they're going to prove to us that they're just as good as ever. We'll just have to wait and see it next week. Yeah, uh, for sure. And so, player of the week, guys. I mean, any? Uh, I, I, for me, uh, uh, you got a lot of four touchdown quarterbacks here. You can throw in there. I would say RG3 um, because he found his way out of the league for a little while. Um, but uh, since I can't vote for somebody who failed, I, personally, I know it just happened, but 
for me, I mean, Antonio Brown once again looked amazing uh, in this game against Washington. And uh, I think people didn't really think he was going to do much, but man, just continues to show me that he's the best receiver in football. Randy, any John? Oh, you want? Do you have one? Because I, I'm, I'm debating between two. Well, see, the two four touchdown guys also lost, so um, that's that's something to take into account. Um, shoot. All right, since you don't have yeah, it, I'll just I, go ahead yeah, and say I, it. I, I, I'm going to go with Alex Smith here. And now, obviously, I, I have the fantasy podcast, and on there I said don't buy into Alex Smith as far as picking up in fantasy because you're not going to see this very often. But that team went down against the San Diego Chargers, a divisional opponent, and they completely took the playbook and threw it out the window and said, Alex Smith, win this game. And they came out firing in that second half, and he led a wonderful comeback against, once again, a divisional opponent. So am I ever going to expect Alex Smith to throw for 363 yards again? No, but he did it when he needed to, and he got the win at home. So my my pick's Alex Smith. Uh, Yeah, I'm... I'm still kind of see. This is why we don't do this on the podcast because you get a lot of uh, uh, this this like trying to figure out who did what. But uh, you know what? I'm going with Matthew Stafford, 340 yards, three touchdowns, led that team uh, all the way to getting that game-winning field goal. I mean, yeah, the system is working with. Jim Bob Cooter, but Stafford's the one driving that train and making it work. Yeah, very true. Uh, so there, there must be one, right? There must yes, be there someone. There must be one. The, the Highlander situation. There can only be one. So, uh, well, I say we take out Antonio Brown because he did a sexual uh, <laughs> taunt. For a touchdown, so he gets knocked out. Why do you think I picked him? For God's sakes! Oh my God! Oh, we yeah. all know how Gary was trying to, you know, start a relationship podcast on the other podcast. So. Gary's Gary's over there practicing his Antonio Brown touchdown celebration, which <laughs> I don't think, which I do not think will take over like Cam Newton's touchdown celebration did last year. I don't think this one takes off as much. Ah. Uh. Yeah, that's a new kind of dab. Um, anyway, uh, I, you know what? I, I don't know how Sean's voting, but you know what? Looking at this and really thinking about it, Alex Smith had a task ahead of him, and that's to get his team back and get a victory. So I'll, I'll go in with Randy if uh, Sean, what do you want to do? Alex Smith, yeah. I have a problem with that. Who would have thought Alex Smith would have been winning anything? I know. I know. But, well. Uh, there you Boy, have it, guys. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Alex Smith, your player of the week for us. And that'll do it for the week one recap edition of Football to the Max. Of course, we will be back on Friday morning with our week two preview. And, of course, uh, week three uh, discussion. I mean, week, we'll be recapping that Thursday night game. And we'll be recapping the uh, Houston 
and a Cincinnati game as well. And then, of course, also giving you a preview of uh, college football week three, which, oh, my God, mouth-watering. Uh, but, yeah. We need to so, make that, that Thursday night pick, by the way. We do need to make that Thursday night pick. Jeez, I forgot about that. What's the – why is that whatever game it is? You don't uh, want to – I don't want to talk about the game. Oh, Let's not talk the, about, I, I changed my mind. Yeah, it's the it's the Christmas <laughs> color crayon game, uh, the Jets oh. and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, man, the Jets better win this game. I'm going to say I don't want to hear about, I don't want to hear Rex Ryan's mouth the whole rest of the week. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go with the Jets. I think they're going to bounce back and get this win. I think. Look, uh, I know. Buffalo only scored like nine points against the Ravens or whatever, but the Jets' defense is is uh, pretty uh, awesome. And what Sheldon Richardson is only is he suspended four games? Or is, I thought he was suspended only at one game. Is it four? I cannot remember. Uh, I was gonna say if he's gonna come back too, that's that's another big coup for them to have, but. Tyron Taylor didn't look good in the first game. game. I don't think he's going to look good in this game. Yeah, see? You get Sheldon Richardson back. That's another defensive style person that you had. And one thing I I forgot to mention in that Jets-Bengals game, just because I was so – my hatred for kickers overtook it. (laughs) They sacked sacked Andy Dalton seven times without Sheldon Richardson. Jeez. Seven times. Watch out, Tyron Taylor. Yeah, Leonard Williams, two and a half sacks. Yeah, and if you find yourself behind at any point in this game, New York, what you do is just have your cheerleaders take off their shoes. Trust me, the other side will be distracted heavily. So, there are there there are two certainties about this game. I the first one is I am going to get sick and tired of seeing Week Seventeen highlights. And how the Buffalo Bills oh, knocked the New York Jets out of the playoffs. <laughs> and the second certainty is if the Buffalo Bills win, I won't be on the podcast. <laughs> I will be in some psych ward throwing oh, shit. God. Especially if Nick Folk is the reason why we lose another game. Just saying, everyone should hope that the Jets win for my sanity. I have... A child on the way. I need to be mentally healthy. Yeah. Root for the Jets. There you go. J-E-T-S. Uh, oh, God. He's right about uh, that, though. Yeah. He's right about that. Uh, uh, so, I'm, well, are we all picking the Jets, then? Yeah, yes. I'm going Jets. Okay. So, now are, are, we all, uh, are we all picking Houston for the college game? Yes. Yes. Okay, yes. Okay. So there you go. Our picks for Thursday are made. And now we're done. Um, so <clears throat> see you guys later. For, for Gary, for myself, and for Randy, we shall see you on the next one. Later, everybody.
The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.